0: When you're trading options, Fidelity has just what you need with straightforward but powerful tools to help you select a strategy and execute your ideas. And they offer a wide range of information and insights to help simplify your trading experience. Have a question? Ask it live during their small classes and coaching sessions. Need information? Check out their educational videos, articles, and webinars. See why it's easy to trade options your way at Fidelity. Start now at fidelity.com options. 30 days has september april june and november that's how i remember this so sometimes i got to do this on my hands elizabeth and dan uh but february has 28 in leap year Mm -hmm. 29. Mm
1: -hmm. So guess what tomorrow is where the whole thing falls apart. That's
0: where the whole thing goes to shit. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow's the 29th. So today is not the last day of February. Today is the 28th of February. It's market call. It's Dan Nathan. It's Elizabeth young. That's of course EY from SoFi and G swizzle here. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great. We have things to talk about. Elizabeth, how are you?
1: I'm great isn't there also a month thing where you can like you you line up your knuckles and that's how you know the days like the big knuckles or the third you
0: piece, just did you know? it to show your ring off show the no. oh, I know it's yeah. a, a little hardware hard, yeah. yeah yeah it's like the but beaches. i don't know that
1: trick somebody somebody watching knows that trick yeah yeah we'll put
0: it in the chat the yeah. first person that answers correctly we'll send them a book we'll send them uh, oh kara's book oh we'll let's, send do kara's little, ha- Wishes let's do book, a little, little house- housekeeping. Housekeeping.
2: so this is a little risk reversal media stuff. So Kai and I interviewed Kara Swisher. Um, she's the author of the Burn Book. It's just Burn Book, actually. It's not like the. It's Eagles. not the. It's Burn yeah. Burn Book. Burn Book. Yeah. Um, and she is the host of the Sway Podcast, the On Podcast with Kara Swisher. The first 100 people who go to the podcast store at Apple and rate OK Computer. Yeah, sure. Just rate it. Subscribe, rate it. We're going to send you a free book. So do, do that. Contact at riskreversal.com with a screenshot. Amanda's going to send you a yeah, book. Yeah, send Amanda
0: burn a screenshot. What What is it call when you that. blow up somebody's inbox? Great. Right.
1: Okay, computer. You're blowing
0: up their inbox. You'll
1: give me a free book? Free burn book.
0: I got my book okay. signed last night. I did too. What, did, did you read it? it? Okay, what did yeah, you of say course I, I read it? it. What did she say? Do you really want to know? Yes. Or should I keep it between no, me and Kara? I would like to hear it. It said, hunka <laughs> hunka hunk burning love, Kara. <laughs> you know what she said to me? No idea. She
2: said, keep
0: it hot. Burn baby burn. Okay. Love Kara.
1: Okay. I like uh, mine better. The
0: best.
1: Ah! <laughs> so she was on Fast Money with us last night. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: And she did our podcast. That would be okay CNBC the other day. One. All right, guys, what do we have to talk Let's about? Let's go to the rundown. I yeah. mean, because that's what we do. Watch okay. this. It's going to be right behind me here. Got You're going to check this out. Whoa. Oh. Biotech. Now, there's a reason why we started with this. Because if you, for you Fast Money fans oh, out no, there, no. you will notice within the first eight or so minutes of the show, now, I curse like a truck driver. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Apparently, they curse. But having done CNBC's Fast Money for 17 years, I'm proud to say it's, it has not happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's just inevitable. It's a matter of time. However, if you were watching last night, you heard Dan say something about to the effect that biotech or something has gone batshit. You said batshit, and then you sort of caught yourself. I felt really bad. About oh, you didn't? That. I did. So biotech has gone batshit <clears throat> crazy. We have a little bat there. That's a nice job. I don't know if you can see the bat behind me, but trust me, there it is. There's the bat. Oh, wow. There you go. We're going to do an S&P sector check because why not? We're going to do a Salesforce earnings preview. That comes out CRM. And, of course, if it's Wednesday, it's Elizabeth, it's audience Q&A. So let's start this show off, Dan.
2: Well, let's do this. Okay, so Liz, you know, we we actually, and again, I, you know, we appreciate our fine staff on the CNBCs fast forward. Sure. They try to find like an interesting thing that has not been talked about all day long mm-hmm. on the network. And it's kind of interesting. I know Guy and, and many of the panelists on the show have been really bullish on, you know, individual themes within biotech. Actually, the the valuation in some of these names, the attractiveness from an N- M&A standpoint, let's just pull up the XBI and the IBB. And I guess my point mm-hmm. was like, this is today's example. Example of the market trying to broaden out from these narrow themes within technology, right? Of yeah, -hmm. there are plenty of things that are kind of working here, right? Mm -hmm. And I just was trying to make the point though, Liz, is that like every day this week, we're going to find another thing that's going batshit crazy. Oh, and so well, we can say that here. It's our show, right? The FCC doesn't care what we say here. So thoughts here, Liz, when you look, look at that. Now, obviously, the XBI versus the IBB, and I think Guy, you made this one is more. Even weighted, and the other is more affected. And there was a stock in in the one that was not even weighted that was up 30% or something like that, or off 100% or something. Yes. Driving a lot of performance. Thoughts on biotech? I know you've been constructive on healthcare. I know biotech gets a little granular because these are companies, a lot of them Mm -hmm. are, you know, waiting for things to happen in their Mm -hmm. pipeline. Um, But, you know, as you get questions um, from investors who are looking to diversify away from, those five or 10 names on one theme. Is this a sector that you feel comfortable that people can continue to
1: to dip their toe in? What's interesting about biotech, particularly the fact that if you look at, I'm gonna bring it up, the small cap index, Mm. healthcare is the biggest sector in that index. Okay, so when you talk about biotech, a lot of times we talk about the names that we hear about every day the big companies that we know are making news about weight loss and all their wonder drugs but the reality is that the majority of the activity the majority of the innovation happens in small cap biotech small cap pharma that's where it starts so if you look at the small cap index just the the core index you've got almost 17% in healthcare and then if you drill down into that biotech is more than half of that piece so the interesting part about biotech right now it is obviously a very growthy part of any index right it's extremely growthy in the small cap space and despite the fact that rates have stayed high and we're pushing cuts back small cap biotech seems to still be on a tear which tells me maybe more about risk appetite mm-hmm. than it does about other right. things that's a that's the most important point in my opinion guy because that's kind of what i was alluding to i also you have did- a podcast
2: that's by that same name
1: risk appetite
2: no the important the
1: important part
2: yeah i'll yeah. lose you oh, <laughs> podcast there full circle but but guy my, my point was that you know that rates used to be a thing yeah. that was a headwind or higher rates right and then i also made the point about like these broken specs like everything it just feels like we're in a very low quality period of the rally guy.
0: I understand why you said that. And you made that point last night. And I agree with that. My pushback was last night will be today. It's like in terms of what's going on with big cap pharma, they need to buy growth. There's no real organic X Lily X novo, which we know what's going on there. There's not a really lot of organic growth there. So a lot of these companies are finding themselves in a position where they have to buy growth. Historically, big cap farmer will buy growth once these smaller companies basically acquit themselves. In other words, get through phase three and then they go ahead and then they buy things that are a proven entity. Of course, by doing that, they're paying 15, 20 times a lot of the times more than it would have paid if they took a flyer on these companies in early stage, understanding that there's more risks associated with it. So I think what we're seeing now is, and last night was a great example, company in phase one that got good phase one data mm-hmm. I mean, that stock rallied 100 percent. And we had that conversation last night. So I think what we're seeing now is big cap pharma saying, you know what? The old playbook is wrong. That whole Vince Lombardi three yards of a cloud of dust is wrong. We're going to start being more aggressive on the risk curve to your earlier point with Elizabeth. So clearly they are taking risk in this space. But that's why I think, in my opinion, you can see continued strength in IBB and XBI today, notwithstanding. Hold on.
1: Vince Lombardi is never wrong. You got a Patrick (laughs) fan in the room? Well,
0: uh, stop for one second. A hundred percent. Now, what you may or may not know, Elizabeth, is Vince Lombardi started his journey at Fordham University. He was one of the seven blocks of granite. As a matter of fact, if you were to go to Rose Hill, you'd see Lombardi's name splashed all over the place. Uh He subsequently went to coach with the New York Giants he was a coordinator along with Tom Landry. Think about that coaching staff, Dan. Was your, and then the your Giants parents... let him go. Yeah. He went to Green Bay. And, of course, Tom Landry went to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. The Giants left with shiny pants, as they say. Two Please, what was your question? Fan- franchises. Were your parents at Fordham when he was there, when, when he was a coach or not? I'm just going to... Oh, when that. he was a coach. Yeah. I thought you were going to say when he was an undergrad. <laughs> I mean, my parents were no. older, not that one. No. When, when, uh-huh. when he was a coach at Ford. He wasn't a coach. He was a oh. player at Ford. Oh, got it, got it, got Seven got it. blocks of granite. He was a he was an offensive lineman. All right. So, anyway, I don't know okay. how we got no, on. No, no, oh, no. So, yeah. Green Bay, Prince Lombardi, so, Cloud yeah. of Dust. Yep. Thank you, please. Yep.
1: Well, and you said something, I think something mm-hmm. along the lines of that the... the Playbook caps, is... The, yeah, gone. the way that it's done. So here's another thing, and this is something that I think about pretty often. It's, I think it is about risk appetite. I'm going to split hairs a little bit. Dan, you mm-hmm. said it's, I don't remember what you call it, low quality or yeah. a crap rally or something like that. Yeah. I think it's a speculative rally in the sense that now, okay, maybe the AI theme, at least for today, is sort of played up as yeah. high as it's going to get. So now people want that next thing, right? Yeah. So we've got obviously the weight loss stuff that went through all of large cap healthcare looking at the next best thing, what will that be? Maybe it's small cap biotech. Maybe somebody's going to come up with that thing and people are trying to glom on to the next theme. There's really no concrete evidence of that happening, of that being the case, but now it's this speculative enthusiasm. And I'm not even saying that that's misplaced. I think that there are a lot of reasons to be excited about the market today and its resilience, but it is still very speculative, especially (laughs) because if the argument is that we are more mid-cycle or early-cycle than Mm late-cycle, small-cap value is what should be outperforming. So the fact that people are still grasping for growth tells me that they've run out of opportunities in the large cap, See, it, it,
2: it's more to me, it's actually not about fundamentals. It's about sentiment. It's about FOMO. And and, yeah. and so, you know, without yeah. those names doing like the 100% gain, you know, having a disproportionate effect on that. Was it the IBB? Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, whatever. We're not talking about them then. You know what I mean? There's just another sector that's actually at all-time highs. you know why? And let's throw up the S&P chart. It's because the s and is at all-time highs, right? And so we're having broader participation, and I think that's probably a healthy thing. The S&P is probably, what, 12% above its 200-day moving average. I think it was our friend Peter Peter Bookbar who made this point a couple weeks ago in the book report saying that, you know, last few times that has happened. We've had a bit of correction if they could pull up the S&P chart really quickly. And then that leads me to, again, sentiment, I I think is important. You know, you want to talk about, I think this is a little bit of a preview, Liz, of uh, your note that comes out tomorrow on the SoFi investing blog. That would Mm -hmm. be sofi.com slash Blog slash badass. Blog, <laughs> um, <laughs> slash
0: badass blog is um slash no I know but I look at this you don't know, go to bed slash badass no, no, no not you that to the thing don't do that, no, not do that. Yeah. you know I used to, yeah. my my kids are now older but when they were younger we watched the Hannah Montana you might have yeah. you know that I was no, a little you know that old. no matter
2: how old they get they're always going to be your
0: kids no that I understand okay. but they might not watch Hannah Montana anymore right. but she's actually a very talented vocalist very. And one of her songs that I actually have on my Spotify playlist, I believe it or not. I, party in the USA. No, no, no. I do have that. I know you But The Climb wow. is one of them. Great song. That
1: is a great song. And
0: if you, I'm looking at this chart, it's yeah. it's The Climb. And it's yeah. Party in the USA. Well, both of those things. That. yeah. I don't know oh, it's, which it's,
1: one I'm more shocked about, Party in the USA or The, or the Climb. The Climb. Well, there but you go. You, know you never know what,
0: But this is, I mean, this is The Climb, baby. Yeah. I mean, it is The Climb in terms of the S&P 500. And it's just a matter of time. It's interesting. I've never summited Everest. No. I've read a lot of books about it. Yeah. I know people that have done it. And what they'll tell you is, as difficult as the climb is, the dangerous part is the way back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everybody thinks once they've gotten to the top, it's oh, it's it ain't over. You got to... And that's way I look at this. I mean, we are summiting Everest here. Yeah. Have but you still read got-
2: about this season, this past season on Everest? It no, was I have a none. really bad one. I think they had a lot of deaths. Well, it's become mm-hmm. so popular, it's become really mm-hmm. unsafe because of the amount of people that are too many on it people, and too many rushing to do it at the wrong time and everything. People like that. that
0: shouldn't be doing. it. People really that think you know stuff. it's a vanity thing, and they hire the Sherpas, the most yeah. th- the most famous Sherpa of all time, of course being Tenzing Norgay who helped Sir Edmund Hillary up Everest. Elizabeth knows this as well. I'm off the, sorry, Amanda's like, please stop. Uh, It is the climb. So you look at this chart and we are now, again, 12, 13% from the moving average. Things are mean reverting, especially not necessarily individual stocks as much as indices historically are. So Elizabeth, you see this. I know where you stand, but the technicals are still in good shape. But you're going to talk about a couple of things that are concerned you. But let's look at the S&P chart first.
1: Yeah. So my note this week is titled The Highs Keep Coming. (laughs) The play on the hits keep coming, but Mm, the highs keep coming. Obviously, we know the broad indexes have almost all of them have reached new all time highs with the exception of the Russell 2000. And then the other thing that's been interesting is we haven't even finished February yet. And we've got half of the year-end price targets, year-end strategist price targets that have already been blown out of the water. Mm -hmm. So now you're starting to see companies raise their price target. I think Barclays was the most recent. They did it yesterday. So you're going to have to see them start raising their price targets. We're at, what, 50, 60, something like that, 5,060. The highest price target as of right now is only 5,400. That's 6.5% above where we are now. So again, we've got a lot of price targets that are underwater. I would expect them to keep going up and just maybe drive this momentum even further. The other thing that's interesting to look at with is this chart right here. I'm so glad I brought it. Mm-hmm. So we talk about strategist price targets all the time. Those are the top-down price targets on just a broad index. If you take the bottom-up price target, so these are price targets on every individual stock aggregated for the S&P, which I would consider probably more accurate. You've got analysts who know the intricacies of those companies, and then you make a weighted average. What it would suggest for the S&P as a whole then is what's in this chart. So you've got the S&P price on that solid line on the bottom, the dotted line on the top is the aggregated price target. That price target is about 9.1% above where we are now, which sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if bottom-up analysts are right, maybe the strategists are wrong, then we've got 9.1% upside over the next 12 months. That sounds okay. The issue with that is you can see how narrow the spread is right now versus history. So usually those price targets are further away, further above where the actual index is trading. So if if you want to do real math on it, the standard deviations and everything, this is actually a historically narrow spread between the two, still suggesting less upside than usual for these analysts. So naturally then, after we've had these big runs, although things seem to be going pretty well, the questions are, but did it go too far too fast? Mm -hmm. Are we too high? Is it time to give it back?
0: I look at this, and I mean, this speaks to something that Danny Moses talks about all the time. Carter talks about this as well. The fact that obviously, you know, you don't get paid to be bearish in the world. And you look at this, and if we were to extend this out in many years, my sense is obviously the projections for the year are always going to be significantly inflated as to really what the reality of the situation is. And I think we're seeing it here, but your point about the narrowness, I think that's really fascinating because effectively what you're saying is even the most ardent bulls are not all that enthusiastic about where things could potentially go vis-a-vis where we are now. And then the next chart speaks to some of the things that we actually talked about, I believe, on Monday. But obviously, you're bringing it forth in a way that you can see it. Now, we had a conversation before today's show. I actually thought we were at all-time highs. We're not. As you pointed out, we made an all-time high in this ratio a few years back. But talk to why this is important and what concerns you about this chart.
1: Yep. So... For those that are not familiar with the Buffett indicator, this is obviously Warren Buffett's indicator. It takes the Wilshire 5000, so the most comprehensive representation of the stock market, and compares it to the U.S. nominal GDP level. And it's a ratio that he likes to look at to say, are we overvalued or undervalued, rather than just looking at PE and things that we talk about more often. So you can see it's not at all-time highs, but it's at 1.91, which is the highest it's ever been, except for late 2021 when we retired transitory and the market had run and then it fell off a cliff. But here's the interesting part. And this is what I wrote in the note. The interesting part to me is that we are now at a high, right? A high level in this indicator. And that's after we've completed a hiking cycle, rates are still at this level. And we haven't tried to normalize policy yet yet we have all of this exuberance, all of this risk-taking behavior, and all of the appetite. So you could take that one of two ways. And honestly, I'm not sure which one is right. Mm -hmm. Is it just that the market is resilient today? Investors are more confident. Investors are more resilient. So the buying is an okay thing because it's not at an all-time high. Is it that the economy is actually getting stronger? So buying is still okay. Or you could take it as we are very clearly overvalued, which it you know, if you're talking to Warren Buffett, which I've never been able to, it'd be great if I had the opportunity. But if you're talking to him, he would say, it's clear to me that this is overvalued. And then you look at how much cash he's holding and it all sort of makes sense.
0: That's I'm glad you said that because as it came out over the weekend, he's holding, I think, $168 billion in cash. So obviously, you know, you tell your kids save for a rainy day. That's obviously what they're doing now, whether or not it rains yet to be seen. But you look at this and this reconciles itself one of two ways. Either GDP catches up in a major way, and I think US GDP now is about $27 trillion. So, in order to get this back to realistic levels, GDP has to grow to approximately, I don't know, $40 trillion or so, which is, not, I'm just telling you, flat out, it's not going to happen. Or the market cap of these stocks is going to come down in a precipitous way. That's, I think, the more likely of the two, Dan. Yeah, and again, you know, like a year ago at this time,
2: um, we didn't know what was going to happen in the next few weeks. We we're going to have a banking crisis. I think a lot of the investment community, a lot of economists, a lot of businesses were very pessimistic about the the, the economy for, for 2023. The fact that we had the banking crisis and then didn't have the recession that everyone thought is pretty astounding. I think we'll all look back, if we're still in the business in 10 years from now, and be like, we'll still be confused founded by 2023, the sort of consensus thinking. I just flash forward to the consensus thinking now that it's just a foregone conclusion that we're having a soft landing. And, you know, we highlighted this yesterday, um, guy on Fast Money. Let's just throw up this slide with Jamie Dimon, uh, CEO of J.P. Morgan, and then David Solomon. um, You You called him something on the show DJ D. D. Saul. I think he's de-emphasizing that nickname because he's a DJ. And and I like this guy. I got to tell you, I think he's... We met him. We we, had, we didn't we interviewed him sure. for CME Group. Remember that with Terry. Right. Of course. And and I was I'm sitting right there. Ah, you know what? You, you know what I and you and I met a lot of CEO types in, in our day. And I thought talking to him, and I think we had like a 45 minute conversation on stage with him, he did not remind me of many of the CEOs that we met over the time of of, of banks. You know, and he 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 had a really broad range. He almost felt like a, a tech CEO in a way. So I liked him. But I but the point here is about these comments. It always feels great before it's not. Mm. And you know, David Solomon basically and read the Bloomberg article. We'll put it in the show notes here. I'm um, talking about the consensus thinking about a soft landing. So I just think that is interesting to think about at this time, right? It's been a confounding period. Um, we're seeing a lot of FOMO. That was my point, Liz, mm-hmm. about the sort of late stage behavior that I see in the markets. Mm-hmm. Let's flash forward a, a little bit here to some of the sectors. Um, and Amanda's put them together on a nice little screen that we have um, on the fact set here. You can see which sectors they are. You can see the year to date performance. You can see how they're. Kind of trading today right now we do have you know the um healthcare and and communication services kind of weighing um on the broader market but one of the points i'll just make is like let's just double click on the xli for a second why now, not okay like this is industrials okay looks great. I mean, it doesn't look too different than that S&P chart, right? Mm-hmm. That, w- that we had up there. They're on a 45 degree angle. They mm-hmm. just are holding the uptrends like a boss here. And we're in a low vol environment with a VIX at 13 and a half or whatever. Everything feels great. People love mm-hmm. breakouts. Like when they look at charts, of the problem is, and Guy, you make this point all the time, is the the space in between the moving average, right. right? And and where, so it's getting a little extended here, people. So the likelihood of a correction is probably coming pretty soon. I just want to also pull up really quickly the XLF. Maybe we'll get Liz's take here. Um, well,
1: let me talk about industrials yeah. for a second oh, well, real quick. So whatever you want. here's the thing. If, if the pervasive thought became, we are going to pull off a soft landing, the economy can mm-hmm. keep expanding, onshoring continues, yep manufacturing PMI has bottomed that because that did become the pervasive thought. If that's true, then industrials should be doing well. And that would actually suggest that industrials have further upside. And I would say there's probably a handful of companies in there that do, and that still will do fine. The risk is the companies that cannot manage their operating margins through a tough environment, a normalizing yield curve, a normalizing monetary policy environment, lower liquidity. But there are probably some great industrial companies out there that are and I I don't know why I say this because it's well-oiled machines, right? (laughs) I don't know how to get rid of that. that. I don't know how to get rid of the pun. Anyway, there are probably some great companies out there that you can still buy in this sector because they've managed their operating margins very, very well. Yeah. And
0: that
2: goes guy like, like energy also energy industrials. These will all be great. I think you would probably, I know that you've been bullish on energy, but you could probably get pretty bullish on industrials for all of those themes. If the market Acts in a different way and then what the consensus is. And it doesn't have to act like that for long. You just have to take some of the froth out. No,
0: let's, without question. And you see the XLI. So let's drill down for a second, if we may. I mean, this is not equal weight necessarily, but you know, four and a half percent, I think is the biggest weight. General Electric is, I think, the largest weight now. I mean, the recent run in GE has been staggering. Again, this is not your grandfather or grandmother's <laughs> GE, but the two that I want to look at, pull up a Caterpillar chart. And look at the move in this stock over the last you know, three or four months. Caterpillar shouldn't move like this. I mean, this has been somewhat parabolic in terms of its move. I mean, this is one of stodgy America, Rust Belt stuff. And this stock is moving like a technology stock. I have no idea why Uber's in this, but it is. I think it's 4.2%. Look at the move in Uber over the last few mm-hmm. months as well. So, you know, you're seeing the XLI and it's, it's telling you a story you think about the economy, but I'm not necessarily convinced that's what's going on with that said, by the way, Today is Wednesday, as I mentioned. So put your questions in the chat. <laughs> oh, look at that. Or t- email them. Do whatever you right. want, because this is day. Anyway, gonna, please we're gonna continue. Hit, we're going to hit them really soon. Doug Cass uh, uh, over there at RealMoney.com,
2: Seabreeze Partners, and often uh, gives us a lot of great ideas and commentary as we do uh, the market call here. He just pings us. And I think this is important, Liz. And, and this is something that Doug has been on for a little bit. And we've been talking about it here. He said, minding Mr. Market as the price of equities, decouple with interest rates, mm-hmm. which we just talked about a little bit. I more bearish on equities as the S&P index climbs and upside rewards diminish against downside risks. And so talked about that. Let's just talk about the yield thing, because, again, we've seen a lot of sectors. We talked about financials for a second. They didn't like in the fall interest rates when the 10 year went from four to five percent. They did not Mm -hmm. like it. And maybe we can pull up an XLF Mm -hmm. chart. Um, They benefited when we saw it go from five to three point eight percent the 10 year. And here we are now at four point three percent. And again, they don't mind. So they don't mind at this point with yields, right? Like, well, mm-hmm. then pull up J.P. Morgan for a second, okay? With when when yields, um, you know, up, down, indifferent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So talk mm-hmm. to us about that yield and the decoupling. Yep. From rate. well,
1: so actually, if I had known we were going to do that, I would have told somebody to put my tweet up from earlier today. Oh, so we like, could do I'll that. We talk could do really that. Slowly I slowly mean... while we grab it. Um, it's a it's a chart titled "Stock Valuations and Real Rates," and I've used this Ooh. chart before, but it shows you basically that the relationship between S&P forward PEs and the 10-year treasury yield, you have to invert the yield, but the relationship is usually pretty tight until now, Mm -hmm. and it's diverged. Now, again, this is another one of those relationships that there's one of two ways that it can come back together. Either stock valuations come down, maybe yields go down. We're still not sure which is going to be the case, but you can tell just by looking at it that this is a strange period and that there needs to be some sort of reversion to the mean just in this relationship. And again, it's not to suggest that stocks have to fall. It feels like that might need to be the case at some point, but this can persist. This has already persisted for much longer than I thought it would. I'd have to go back and look, but Mario and I have been posting this chart, using it in pieces for a long time Mm -hmm. and have been using it as a warning signal that continues to just stay a warning signal and nothing has come of it yet.
0: I want to say something
1: amazing
0: job by our crack staff. Amanda yes, getting you. that up as quickly. I mean, that's tremendous. There's a little video playing. There, that, that must be right, like the, really the Twitter application. I'm not um, sure
2: what that let, is. Let's hit a couple single stock names. Tremendous before, job. We get, before we get to the Q and a, keep putting them in there for Amanda um, guy. This is not a small company that's dropped about 10%. In the last kind of few weeks or so, um, and it's UNH. Mm-hmm. It used to be a half a trillion dollar market cap. Uh, now it's four hundred and fifty billion. Um, you can see the move just in the last actually week or so. Um, Antitrust probe. There was a there was a hack. There was a, a few other things going on here. Um, What do you make of a company like this having these sorts of problems right now? The stock market, I mean, investors are kind of shooting first, asking questions later. And that's not something I would expect in this sort of risk environment that we've just been talking about.
0: UNH has been sort of, they've been isolated. And I guess in a lot of ways, sort of, they've been left out of the problems that Humana and some of these, Mm -hmm. like, for example, that's put up a longer term UNH chart real quick. That's the one with the headline. But if you put up a longer you'll see. I mean, this stock has been lower left, upper right until recently. Now, just visually remember that. Now put up like a Humana, for example, which lives in the same world. And you can see some of the devastation that this stock has incurred over the last, I don't know, four or five months. So it's a much different story. I mentioned that because at a certain point, they're all going to face the same obstacles. Now, what we've seen with UNH for the first time in a long time is, now this is a stock that's, again, lower left, upper right. It has a series of pullbacks along the way, but each one has been an opportunity. Something's changed over the last nine months or so where this stock has had some difficulties, been going sideways, and now technically, it appears as though we're sort of breaking down a little bit. So you want to watch this carefully. Why UNH specifically? Because the Dow, which is a price-weighted index, whatever... UNH is the biggest component of it, so keep this on your radar screen, Yeah, folks. well, the other point is you could say it's
2: it's diverged from the performance of Humana, but like it's at the same spot it was two years ago, which is an absolute train wreck if you think about relative to the S and P five hundred, which is up you know uh, near fifty one hundred, and I think two years ago or so the S and P was you know forty four hundred forty five hundred or so. So like on a relative basis, mm-hmm. um, it's act very poorly. Um, Liz, when you start seeing you know one of the largest market cap companies in the world acting that way, you know, we just talked about in the healthcare space, obviously there's Lily, there's Novo. Those are, all bigger market cap companies, but that's all Mm -hmm. within the last year. UNH a year ago was bigger than the two of them. So, you know, again, it's important to kind of keep an eye on the things that aren't participating. We've highlighted Apple on many occasions, which is down six and a half percent on the year, really Mm -hmm. diverged from some of the names that are benefiting from this AI trend.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there's an added layer here. First of all, here's what I would say is if you if we're just talking about it straightforward like that, then this would fly in the face of there's a broadening in the market. So if the idea is that the market is broadening out and it's other sectors are starting to carry their weight, this is one of those stocks that you want to participate. And if it's not, you know, the broadening argument gets weaker. Mm. But the added layer here, which I think is probably obvious, more obvious later in the year is that we've got an election coming up and healthcare is one of those sectors that tends to trade pretty volatile around election time. This is early. So I don't think that's what's going on here, but come June, come summer, you're gonna see healthcare stocks probably take it on the chin and then maybe have rallies depending on mm-hmm. how polling is going. And that goes for a handful of other sectors too, defense names, right? Things like that. Yeah. So that's just something that we have, we have to keep in mind when we look at price action. It's
2: funny, you know, we obviously, aside from Liz, and we get Liz twice a week on with us, Guy, but we also how have- How fortunate are we? Way, very fortunate. I meant to, <laughs> I, that was where I was going. Um, but we also are fortunate that we'll have a whole host of different market strategists from different shops who have different constituencies and the like and you know we keep asking them like when will geopolitics matter when will politics here matter it doesn't no what everyone's like ah eh, that's like a like, that's like a fall thing like you know mm-hmm. what i mean that sort of thing so mm-hmm. and may, maybe it is i'm just saying it's just kind of mm-hmm. interesting um in a way all right last thing before we get to the q a so keep them coming here people tonight after the close a big tech name reporting that would be salesforce.com comes out crm you sure. read the rundown i saw what you did here um all right look at look at what Look at Amanda did right there. So we talk about implied movement um, in the options market. How are we doing that here? Well, we take the the at-the-money straddle in the weeklies. That would be the the at-the-money call and the the at-the-money put. The stock is trading at $300. They make it really easy for us today here, people. If you take the call and the put, they're each about... Twelve bucks. You put it together. If you were just to buy the implied movement into the print by Friday's close, you would need either a move to three hundred twenty-four dollars to break even to the upside, or you'd move, need a move to two seventy-six on the downside. That is what that um, those two boxes are kind of illustrating. Let's look at that on a one-year basis here, guys. So 4% in either direction, and you can see what's going on there. I mean, not huge you know, either way. It would be a big chunk to the downside on the year-to-date stuff, but this one is also getting way above that moving average, way above mm-hmm. that breakout level here. We know what the expectations are that they're gonna talk to us about generative AI and how that's kind of working amongst a lot of their products and services and the like here, and they're becoming more productive and it's gonna be more profitable, uh, yada, yada, yada. Thoughts here, guys, because at this stage of the game, after everything that we've known, how could a company like this that's acted this well have a meaningful gap to the upside on the beat race? raise, in my opinion? I'm okay, no, to- all,
0: all great points. So this stock has had a great run recently. It probably trades a little north of 30 times earnings, next year's earnings-ish. Probably, you know this better than I, but it's probably nine times revenue-ish, which isn't ridiculous, but just for perspective. But this is the important part. Go back at longer-term chart and look at where we were, look at where we traded down to, and look at where we are now. You will see that magically, like many stocks, we're approaching the levels we last saw in the fall, specifically in November of 2021. So I think what you could potentially see here, and this is just me, a spike post-earnings, like we've seen with many companies, the euphoria around whatever they say, and tomorrow, tomorrow's action, I should say, yeah you might put in a pretty significant top, especially if you couple that with what I think is going to be pretty large trading volume. So if I were to play this, I'm putting it out there. I think you wait for earnings. You see where it trades up to. And I think there's a chance you get up to 305, 310, and then you're looking to pull the ripcord and try to play it on a bearish tilt. Yeah, and be, and be really clear here. Um, I had a typo
2: here as my mistake. It's an 8% implied move. Just take the $24, the premium of the put and the call, that is the implied move divided by the tick or the stock price and, and, and the strike. And 24 divided by 300 gets you 8% in either direction. Last quarter, and if you just wanna go back to that one year chart, last quarter, um, the stock had a 9% gap to a new 52 mm-hmm. week um, high. And so the point is just think about where the stock was back then look at that uptrend that's been in place i think what amanda did right there with the buy ratings and the price targets and all that sort of stuff so we're at the 12-month price target of all those companies that rate this stock or all those banks 47 ratings you see what percentage of them are buy. it seems like everyone's on one side of that trade so i like the way you're thinking about it guy from a technical standpoint maybe get back up to that prior high but that's probably a good good place to kind of let some go here a little bit
0: I agree. There's something on your radar screen quickly that you sort of like the technical setup that comes in the form of Charles Schwab. If you want to pull Uh, up that Charles Schwab, because we're not always Debbie... I don't even know what that means, Debbie. It must have some, must be derived from something. My sense is not Shakespeare, because Debbie wasn't a popular name in that era. Deborah. So it oh, must be some H. some something like, like the early 1900s. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I'm going to look it up while you talk about Schwab.
2: If we look at the one-year chart um, of the Schwab and, and how hard hit it got last year during the regional banking crisis, and then it was really, um, you know, in the penalty box for a bit because of that kind of held to maturity sort of to market exposure that a lot of investors thought they had. So it's been a very volatile stock over the last year or so, but it's starting to feel a bit more constructive. That last quarter they put up looked pretty good. They're doing a pretty good job integrating uh, TD uh, Ameritrade. I just think from a purely technical standpoint, I mean, that thing looks like it's ready to what, guy? Party. Yeah, a little bit there. And again, yeah. if the narrative starts to shift a little bit, um, what? What? Hey, um, guys. I don't know. I just think. Just I just think. Sentences. I just think. From you know, people ask us all the time how we start. Sometimes with a trade idea, and sometimes it could be a simple. As a technical setting, yeah, looking at charts, and then you have to do a little you're more work, relative valuation and you're looking at a whole host of other things. So thoughts there, not specifically, Liz, yeah. on the name, but maybe how you think about coming into an idea sometimes.
1: Well, I I mean, similarly, you look at first you look at the numbers because the numbers are what brings something up onto your radar. And then you have to ask yourself if it's down, is it down for a reason? Did I miss something? Did I miss a headline? And if you didn't miss a headline, then you look deeper into the company. What's going on? What's going on with margins? What's going on with revenues? How have earnings momentum been over the last few quarters? And if you can't find anything that's really wrong, then it's usually an opportunity. We talked about it. I don't remember if it was Monday or if it was last week, what kind of correction makes something more attractive Mm -hmm. and correction by definition being 10%. I start thinking that it's more attractive when it's at least seven or 8%. I'd like to see it at ten. And then you dip in if you can't find anything else wrong with it. But seven to eight percent, it starts to look interesting. Ten percent, you're probably taking a position.
0: According to the Wikipedia, apparently though there are better companies now. Um, this persnickety perplexity perplexity is Pers- much better. <laughs> But Debbie Downer apparently is tributed to um, Saturday Night Live. A woman named Rachel Trash. Yes,
1: yeah. interesting. But I think it's what, what year was that? Two
0: thousand and four. Yeah.
1: Debbie Downer. Sure, started in but, I, but I think it's got
0: to be long. It's anyway that, that cast. Wow. Uh, it's that time. No. Q and A. It's Wednesday. Yes. if it's Wednesday, it's Q and A. You know, I used right? to work at Carvel. You
1: I, did I did? How old I was, are you? I was
0: I was probably want to say sixteen ish. Did Every make- Wednesday is Sunday. Wednesday is at at Sunday at Carvel. Okay.
1: Did they make ice cream cakes? I was the one day? that made
0: the cakes. You
1: made ice cream cakes?
0: Yeah, I did. Hundred percent. You love those? Little they put me in the back. There used to be a thing middle. called the shock box, yeah. and that would get shit really cold. Like you know, you did not want to be in the shock box, okay. but that's where you put you put the cake, whatever the flavor was. Yeah. yeah. You put it in a in your pot in your cake holder, yeah. uh-huh. like Mister the 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 what's the thing? Frosty the Whale yeah. or yeah. something Freeze. the Whale. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then you put it in a shock box. You froze uh, that shit, yeah. and then you took it out, and then you we're able to sort of put the icing and stuff on. All right, fudgy.
1: Okay, wow. People That's, love those little chocolate things. We didn't that they know. About, you know what yeah.
0: they are? They're stale flying so- well, saucers. I love- we did
1: We had Dairy Queen cake. DQ. I don't know if it was the same, but there was no, there was a crunchy cookie
0: maiden of milk part. Um, first question is from Jack. I'm going to screw your name up, Jack. I apologize. No gun car. Maybe I got that right. Now here's the question. And I have an answer to this, by the way. Bank of America, Civita's view. The one bear case that I want to debunk is the idea that the market is too expensive. I don't think that makes sense because the market today is such a different animal. That was Civita. Okay. Now, interesting enough, this is a Bank of America tweet. The S&P is statistically expensive on 19 of 20 metrics and is trading at a 95th percentile price, trailing earnings ratio based on data back to 1900 from Bank of America. I'm going to send that to We'll put that in the show notes. So on the one hand, you have Savita saying the market is not that expensive. On the flip side, you have a Bank of America tweet talking about how the market is expensive on 19 of 20 different metrics dating back to 1900 which makes perfect sense about this market. You have people on one side of the fence and people on the other and they're going back and forth. Well, well,
2: maybe Liz can help us with this too because before you were at SoFi, you were at a much more traditional bank, which Mm -hmm. was Bank of New York. You dealt with a lot of different sorts of clients, Mm -hmm. um, you know, advisors, right? Mm -hmm. But you're also dealing with a lot of institutional folk and the like, and you know, a lot of things, uh, listen, I feel bad for a lot of these different strategists at these big, big, different shops because a lot of them have different titles they're working some are within you know investment management some are in institutional mm-hmm you know, research and, and strategy and all that like. And so there are competing headlines coming out of the same bank. Help yep. us think about that a little bit because, um, and then we can talk about whether valuation is a good timing tool and and the like.
1: Here. Yeah, well, so so Savita was on Squawk Box this morning. I caught part of the segment. I wonder if maybe that's where this quote is from, but I don't remember this particular part. I must've missed it. There's a lot of different things she could be saying. I'm guessing that if she's if she's thinking about it, what I've heard her say before is that productivity has been, so much better than it was before and that the expectation for productivity gains continuing make things actually less expensive when you're looking at it through that lens because you're buying the future productivity, you're buying the future growth. And a lot of things, when you look in different sectors, it does change. If you've got a company that's a best in class company, you're just going to pay more for it. If you've got a company that's generating a lot of growth, which right now that seems to be all investors want, it's all they care about, then you're going to pay more for it. So I think right now, from a relative perspective, depending on what the future potential is, maybe there are sectors, maybe there are pockets of the market that she doesn't think are overvalued. I think if we're looking at it broadly, it does feel overvalued. The other thing I would say is these big banks, Dan, you mentioned this, they have such different client bases. You could be talking to a financial advisor in Wichita, Kansas one day, and you could be talking to a foundation that runs hundreds of millions of dollars the next day. Obviously, their investment policy statements are gonna be completely different. So she might even be talking about some investors that are looking for private credit, private equity, things that we don't even value on a daily basis or that are pretty much impossible to value in the public market. Wichita,
0: Kansas, by the way, Dan, is a great little town. Never been. It's going to be the Austin, Texas. It's going to be what Austin, really? it's what Austin was 10 or 15 years ago. That's what it's turned into. By the way, a lot of people don't know this. I doubt in that. In Wichita, Kansas, you have some extraordinary wealth there. You have the Cargill family. Mm-hmm. Had, you have the Koch, Koch brothers the Koch hanging Koch. around. Pulling yeah. the plug on Nikki yep. Haley. I saw that. Yeah. And then, of course, you have Spirit Aero Systems, oh, nice. which has obviously been in news for all the wrong reasons. They're the largest employer in the state of Kansas, little known fact. Yeah. Here's a good question, by the way. They're all good questions. From JS. Yes. This, I like the way he sets this up. Formerly a laughing stock, Japan's Nikkei has actually acted well and runs at a more reasonable PE than the S&P. Thoughts on FX hedge DXJ ETF at this level? I think that's a wisdom tree ETF hedged with the yen. So you get a little little giddy up here. Put up this chart because you'll see exactly what I mean. I think the biggest holding is Toyota, Mitsubishi. I think Japan Tobacco's in this as well. It's been extraordinary. And if I guess my answer to your question is, if you think you're going to see continued weakness in the yen, in other words, the dollar continues to strengthen against the yen from 149 and change north of 155, this is the place you want to be. The ambassador, Tim Seymour, is probably more prone to go to the EWJ which is approaching the all-time high, Dan, that made, I want to say, in the fall of 2020. Yeah,
2: if these guys can pull up the Nikkei for a second here, um, and again, I'm the DXJ hedged, I get it, um, I'm not smart enough to play um, You know the, these sorts of indices and thinking about it that way, but I got to tell you, you and I were on the desk of Fast Money the other night, we were talking about Japan. When I think of this company, the, the fact that people are saying, or, or this country, that it's back to like 40-year high levels, as long as I've been in the business, all I've heard about Japan and their economy and the way that they Manage their monetary policy and the the changing demographics they have again and again and again. It sounds like a disaster. It seems like you're literally buying back in. Now pull it out forty years. You're buying back in for the death rattle here. Oh. This guy, what are you going to see right here when when we pull up this chart going all the way back to the eighties? You are going to see the mother, the mother. I'm just going to keep saying the mother until it comes up. <laughs> well, I know you got. of all double tops. Yeah, it's, okay, it's good. So, the little
0: hourglass yeah, thing is
2: so so uh, not 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 buying. Hedge Japan here, not uh, by anything. And the other point is, is like the demographics of some of these developed nations, including the US, are really
0: bad. And that's going to be really bad for GDP in a lot of these countries. The, the demographics of Japan, a lot of people say it's unrecoverable in terms of what's going yeah. on. And by the way, if the US doesn't get their shit together, we're probably on a similar trajectory at some point. But your point is well taken. We're looking at something now that's potentially, and the longer the duration of these tops, yeah. the more powerful. I guess the, 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 um, yeah, the pattern. So accurate. we're giving it a shot here. We're obviously impaling ourselves, but you, well, I get your, I get your drift. It,
1: yeah, you can pull up. Um, I have it on my Twitter account actually oh, back on February 22nd, chill. if you really want to see a wow. chart and it, there is, it does look like a double top and I tweeted that day. The Nikkei is above 39,000 and set a new all-time high for the first time since 1989. That's 34 years. Incredible people misinterpreted that as if I was impressed. Okay. Incredible. Meaning it took 34 years mm, to yes. get back to so that you're, you're level. Like, so we've got a three into- and a oh, half. Look at that that's- there. That's, that's, the that's chart. what chart is going for. We've got a three and a half decade of nothing right? We, nothing happened. And What was the low? To, I just want to, to
2: go what back. What were those lows right there? I can't see it. Well, maybe I'll put my glasses on uh, for a second here. Um, let's see.
1: In late 2009 yeah. Okay. Okay, was So that was, 6, that was 000, the
2: GFC. Okay, 7, so if you're telling me that over the last 15 years, this thing has gotten back to, you know, where it topped out, you know what I mean, in the late 80s or something like that, and now you're buying into this because you think that there's, like, another leg to this, I think you're doing it wrong. That's just my choice.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, situation room. By the way, wasn't what's that show Seems on? Like a show on like CNN or something like situation that. Just situation. Room. Room. No, there is a situation okay, room. Maybe but there was that that Jersey Shore. One of the people, oh, I don't think oh, situation. I don't think that was like his baptismal yeah, was... name. Like his, he didn't come <laughs> out and know, said no, he's no, yeah. it's not I the situation. That the, I don't
1: know that a church would have allowed it.
0: Might be excellent point by you yeah. because it has all kinds of connotations. Like yeah. situation, like, <laughs> might it was an odd situation. That cat, but I don't like, you know who I liked? Not that anybody cares. I like the J Wow person, but the short one, what was her name? Snooky. Snooky. She married the guy from East Hanover, New Jersey, and she actually has the Snooky shop. You don't care about any of this. In Madison, New Jersey. Anyway, you know, a Madison, anyway, you know I've never cast. watched a, Neither Neither a
2: single minute of any reality yeah. TV oh, show.
0: Well, not have. one. What's the, the NBC's fast money? I mean, that's reality. <laughs> no, well, and when, when EY's with the SD's on the HT, I mean, that's reality. I mean, that is reality TV. Oh, Situation room, question. This is good because we sort of addressed it in terms of the chart. What do you make of the speculation that Warren Buffett's unnamed position is Schwab? That's not that crazy if you think about what his positions were in Japan. I mean, he was buying these sort of, I don't want to say fintech, but exchange type, trading house type thing. So Schwab actually might make a little sense. I have no idea. The old man doesn't, I'm not privy to anything he does, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Here's one for you. This is from PTOR, P-T-O-R. Apple has had multiple lows between 180 and 181 and a half over the past two months. If it breaks down, that's about three and a half months of buying overhang, 9% from the December high down. We are long Microsoft, short Apple. When you target 166 below an Apple, that's a level that I've talked about for a while. I'll say this. If we pull up an Apple chart, I don't know if you can put some moving averages on this biatch, but what you'll see is in October, we traded right down to the 200-day and bounced. That last move down was to the 200-day and bounced. I think that's 150. Now, we're through it, and we're not bouncing. We had that little bounce yesterday. It ain't holding. So... I think it's actually reasonable to think you could see sort of a 165 to 170 handle on this thing in the near future, and that short Apple, long Microsoft trade has been working, Dan. All
2: right, you and I have a, a little bit of a problem here. Why, Liz? We're going we're to need a swear jar, I think, because I just screwed up on, well, Sam, I, on Fast Money. Last what did I say? Money.
0: I said biatch.
2: Well, I know, but like, like if you say that, we're going to have some problems on Fast Money. I don't say biatch follow on up TV. My batshit with a biatch. I wouldn't. I'm not I mean, doing. You it. and I might be in the. By the way, box I was going yeah, to read. I was going to read
0: like on the back cover of Kara's books. Yeah. It has like endorsements and Kara's funny. Yes. One of them is from Elon Musk. Yeah. And she has next to him, Twitter guy, and the quote is you are an asshole which i just think so, is fabulous. So
2: let's let's go really back let's by go back the way. to um, sorry let's go back to apple for a second here um, let's do a one year chart and and you can see it's holding on for dear life at 180 to guys point it's below that 200 day moving average they can draw a nice line that attaches that year ago level i think that was about 145 you attach it to the october low which is that 166 sort of level that you just talked about we're almost at that trend you can see that 200 day moving average that is also a pretty similar sort of trend here here's the thing that i think will be really interesting with apple the relative underperformance that we've had year to date okay the relative valuation to a microsoft or something like that it's getting no appreciation for anything related to generative ai Okay, and we keep talking about this company and he's got actually the CEO of the company is going to come on CNBC. Of Apple? Of of perplexity. (laughs) Oh, oh. I think. And I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think Apple should buy one of these, you know, chat box search engines. All of a sudden, they plug that into their 2 billion installed iOS base here, and they are a generative AI. If this company, Perplexity, just raised money at like basically a half, uh, I think it was like a half a billion dollars. Okay. This was, they raised 73 million like last month or something like that. Let's just say for shits and giggles, oh, Apple. You just said uh, for me not to do it. This and is our did. show, guy. I'm saying we're going to have a problem oh. on the CNBC if you and I get too used to this, Liz. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, you are. So, Liz, I have to hear on this, this. show Let's Let's say Apple does not make a lot of acquisitions, big acquisition. The last big one I think they made was a Beats, which was a total disaster for $3.2 billion. Let's say they do a knockout bid, $3 billion for perplexity. I guarantee you this would be worth $100 billion in market cap. Think about that. $3 billion acquisition.
0: The stock would rally $100 billion easy. What's on. that cat's name at, at uh, Apple now? Tim Cook. Tim Cook. But he's watching, right? I mean, you might like, a him and his CFO. Yeah. Maybe, but I
2: mean, like that—that that seems like a layup to me. And
0: anybody, I'm not even a banker. Just call
2: me; I'll get this deal done. If you get me like two and a half, you think you think
1: Apple's market cap. market cap goes up yes. immediately?
2: It's a three trillion dollar market cap. So do do the math. I mean, because they they're being left out of this whole thing. People are looking at Siri. They've been making fun of Siri for years. People also think that Apple is not good at software. Okay, mm. you remember the whole the Apple Maps thing, and this, they and get it goes the get so, the AI like, kicker. My only point is. There's gonna I would love to see this stock, and I said it last month on 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 CNBC. I'd love to see the stock at 150. I'd love to see them get the penalty box the way Google's in the penalty box right now, because then we're gonna have worldwide developers forum. It's gonna come in mid mm. early to mid-June, and they will have. goods in general they will have a plan they will have to talk about it they have not talked about it really meaningfully
0: in a year and a half and i think that could be the game changer but you'd want to buy it when it's depressed that's speaking of the penalty box rangers play i have a question coming. up rangers play tonight yeah play columbus again they play columbus on sunday at msg matt Rempe is the talk of the nhl yeah and it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight i'm just putting it out there it's it is criminal that milwaukee does not have an NHL team. team, it's yeah, it's I criminal.
1: Know. You know, I think that there's just not enough people there. It's even oh, hard for Milwaukee I, to, I to think share.
0: Nashville, Tennessee, they love their Nashville Predators. I think Milwaukee would embrace yeah, a hockey no, team.
1: There's no baseball team in Nashville, Tennessee. No, there's not. So it's like you pick, you, you pick, pick and choose. I pick hockey. Yeah. But we've got the Bucks in winter. And I, I think there's just not enough eyeballs okay. for people to have all of it. That's, Plus the Badgers. It's a big college state. Yeah, no, it is. You, you know? know
0: what? The Midwest is more college. Yeah. Excellent and, point and by you. And
1: the Badgers have
0: a hockey team. Sure, Yes, they do. I saw yeah. Marquette play. I saw him play Georgetown a couple they weeks ago. They kicked the shit out of basketball. Them. You know. Of course, again. All right, last one. This is from Scott A. And Scott's here all the time. Hello, Scott. This is for Elizabeth, by the way. Would you take the over or the under on the first rate cut at 50 basis points. In other words, he thinks when they come out, yeah, mean, they're coming out, you know, Jesse James shit, guns blazing. Yeah, uh,
1: I'll take the under on that. I agree with you. Because if they come out at 50, that's them admitting that they're trying to chase and that they waited way too long or admitting that something went wrong and now they have to save it and that we don't want that to happen nobody wants them mm-hmm. to make their first cut 50 however i do think that we will see some 50s in the early days if they wait longer so let's say they don't start cutting till july i still think the first one's 25 cuz they want to send that message and they want to soften the blow but then it's very possible that september is 50 right something like that just because if the data deteriorates quickly enough they're going to try to chase it on could
0: the not agree with you more 25 i think 25 25 then the series of 50s and then we'll You know, God only knows what's going on at that point. Ranger hockey tonight again. I don't know if they're still playing. Wait, they're still playing tonight. (laughs) Still playing tonight. Okay, just we used to say. I mean, we're not that bright, but you know, you like rhymes. Like people say, "sell in May and go away." Why? Uh Is because it's May, sell May, go away. It just rhymes. Just rhymes. In tournament time, we used to say, "You put your bet on Marquette, Elizabeth." You Uh like what I did? You Uh put your bet on Marquette, Uh and I know you got that. What's that DraftKings app or something? It's DraftKings, you got you probably have one of those. <laughs> I, I know you not have one of those. No, well,
1: no. But, but that's but it would for put today. I Bet on Marquette. You would, yeah. Of course you would. Of course. I mean, we are Marquette.
0: Uh, by the way, I went to a wedding at the church at Mark. Beautiful. Jesu. So, excuse
1: me. The church's name is Je- It's The Church of Jesu. I was baptized Jesu. Yeah. Yeah. G E S U. Jesus. Jesus. Oh boy. That's it. J E. You were baptized there. I was Elizabeth Anne. Elizabeth Francis yeah francis
0: mm-hmm. which is a great mm-hmm. name mm-hmm. you don't hear the name francis any you know frank sinatra obviously is francis albert sinatra but you don't hear fran or franny or francis I that do. much for women <laughs> i think it's a great name
1: Nobody i used can. to hate it when i was little you know when you want your name to be real normal what and did you want your to name to be I don't, probably marie or anne or something i always liked elizabeth but uh-huh. the francis part i was like oh. I think because you I'm got you can it. do a lot with it. it now. I mean, right, I just, you
2: now. know, you know how you always say, you know, Diaz is Amanda's going to get mad at us. She's yeah. you, know, you know what? She just texted me. She's put in the chat. No she's idea. Like, you guys do whatever you want. She's like, I'm watching um, Jersey Shore right now. <laughs> so she's like, she's OK. So, <laughs> she, she she, she's she out. So we can us. just keep going. She gave she gave Five thousand. Yeah. Now
0: we yeah. got it. We, All right. Listen. On that note, I, on that note. Yeah. Tomorrow's Thursday. Historically, Thursday is EY day. But we got her on Wednesday now, which is a treat. And she comes here, which is wonderful. That's amazing. But tomorrow, Thursday, last day of February, for you people that are born on the 29th, every four years you have a birthday. It's I don't nice. know what you do <laughs> like the rest years. of the time. It's it's like of youth. Yeah. Dumb. Uh, Butters. Butters is back. And Carter Braxton yeah. Worth. CBW. And we'll talk about, we'll, we'll look back and see what CRM hey, did. so
2: let's do this. Let's front load our burn book preview. Go to the Apple Podcast What, what, store. what did you just Leave say? Leave a review for the OK Computer Podcast. Follow it. And send a screenshot of your review to contact at RichVersal.com. And, uh, and Amanda's going to send you a free book. And if we get to the 100, the first 100, we're going to do, do it again. We'll do it again because we love Karen. Front we love load. That just front load. Let's do it. it sounds, get all up in there. All right, people. That bad. was fun. We'll
0: that was tomorrow. fun. Thank you, Liz. It Thank was. you, Liz. Yep. Thank you. Later, peeps.